Welcome. Glad you guys are here. My name is Alan, and uh, we are, this morning, we we're talking about joy. And uh, uh, I, if you are visiting here because you were here last week at Easter and you celebrated that with us, it gives us great joy that you decided to come back. And so, welcome. We're uh, truly glad that you're here. Again, we're talking about joy, and this is something that we all have in common is that we desire joy. This is not a unique, some, this is the joy crowd, and then this is the not joy crowd. We all want joy. We might say that we want success, or we want fame, or we want money, but what we really want is joy. If you want something, if there's an item, if there's a car, if there's a house, if there's a relationship that you want, what you really want is joy because you believe that that thing or that person is going to lead you to joy, is going to help you experience joy. What we have in common is we want joy. And we're not all that interested in somebody else's joy. If we're honest about this, we're not all that as much excited about somebody else's joy. If the person sitting next to you says they're having a great day and they say, you know what, God is so good. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And God is good. And, and I, I, the other day, yesterday, I was going to Nordstrom to talk with my personal shopper. And uh, I was in a hurry. And so I needed a parking spot that was close to the front. And it needed to be a wider parking spot because sometimes the door of my Tesla, they open up a little wide, and so I need a, a large parking spot up front, and, and wouldn't you believe it, but I prayed to God, and as I pulled up, there was a parking spot up front, and so I got in there. God is so good all the time. You might hear a story like that and think, I hate you. That's, that's a natural response to that, for you to think, that's your problem? That's what you're praying about? We want joy. We want joy in our relationships, in our marriage, in our relationships with our kids, in our friendships. We want joy at work. We want joy in our, in our, uh, in our, in our use of our extra time. Uh, we want joy in our leisure. We want joy in our relationship with God. We want joy. It's what we have in common, and it is offered to us by our Creator. We're going to talk about that today. Would you bow your heads uh, with me? Father, I thank you that, um, uh, that you want to bring us joy. And I pray that in these next few moments, we would hear from you. That uh, regardless of where we are on the, the joy spectrum, the joyometer, God, that we would be able to uh, feel your presence. We would be able to, to understand how you want to bring joy in our lives here in these next few moments. We pray that you would take us to that place in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were here with us last uh, week as part of our Easter celebration, we were looking at a verse uh, written by the Apostle Paul where he says that the message of the cross, the, the story of Easter, the story of Jesus' death on the cross, it is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so at the end, we talked about what does this power look like practically, literally, that there, there is an enemy of our souls, and that, that enemy wants to, wants to take a joy away from us, take mercy and grace and love and hope away from us, 
And, and so the idea then is that the power allows us to reclaim those things. Jesus conquered death. He reclaimed death and said, death doesn't even have power over us, uh, us anymore. And so what we're going to look at here as we walk out this story, uh, walk out this series, is reclaiming joy. So how are you on the joy on the joyometer? Are you enjoying life right now? If you are, fantastic, great. Maybe this is a season, you have a smile on your face that you can't get rid of. You, you just got engaged. You just got that promotion that you've been working so hard for. You recently retired, and so now you're entering into a season where you have the time and the resources to do some of these things that you've been preparing to do for many, many years. Great, enjoy it. You might be really annoying the, pre the people around you right now, but enjoy it and thank God for it. Fantastic, I hope this is a season of joy for you. But if it's not, then what do you think has happened to that joy? Do you, do you ever feel like joy has faded away, that just, just life has gone on and you're, you're busy doing life and you are faithful and you are just walking through life and it just kind of, it just seems like it has faded, it has dissolved. Or maybe it just feels like some, something in your life, a relationship, a circumstance has sucked the joy out of your life in a significant way or, or maybe even a, a recent way or in a temporary way. It feels like something has sucked joy out of your life. Or, and, and I, I can totally relate to this, just having that sense of one day I'm going to experience joy. That right now, maybe this is not the season for joy. One day, as soon as I get this or that this happens, then I will experience joy. As soon as I purchase that, as soon as I get that amount of money for security for the future, as soon as I get that relationship with that perfect guy or perfect gal, or as soon as I get that job, or as soon as in my job, I assemble the, the, the right team for me to move forward in my job and accomplish this next thing in my job, one day I'll experience joy. It's right around the corner, and I know, I know I'm going to get there. There's a danger to living life pursuing a one-day joy, because one days sometimes can turn into years, that, that when we pursue, when we wait for one day, those one days can accumulate and we can miss out on significant time of joy in our lives. What about right now? What about this week? What about today? Do you want to take back what hell has stolen and experience the joy that your creator has for you? What does joy look like? On the way in, uh, uh, hopefully, Many of you, or maybe all of you, received this little uh, white uh, card. Did you receive this little card here on the way in? And this is one approach to joy. And so uh, pull it out with, with me if you would, and I want to read it with you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you have what others do not, because you know that comparing yourself to others produces happiness. Let your happiness be the top priority so that you may get whatever you want. This is, this is the American way. This is the American pursuit 
of joy. It is our constitutional right to pursue happiness. I know it's not in the Constitution, it's in the Declaration of Independence, but those are linked, those are linked documents. It's my constitutional right to pursue happiness regardless of whether I can afford it, whether I need it or not, etc. I want happiness. I will uh, pursue happiness. And it's comparing yourself, ourselves to one another, getting whatever we want. You notice who uh, is credited with this little quote here? Screw tape. How many of you know who screw tape is? Okay, great, terrific. Uh, this is not an actual quote from screw tape. He didn't actually say this, but he says things like this, and so I've decided to give him credit for this one. Um, uh, we're going to actually hear from screw tape over the rest of this series. Screw tape is a fictional character created by the one and only the brilliant C.S. Lewis. Screwtape is a senior demon. Now, I don't know what your theology of demons are and whether you think they exist, etc. We'll talk more about that next week. But uh, for the sake of the conversation here today, Screwtape is a senior, an upper-level demon. He's not the devil himself. He's not the boss, but he's an upper-level demon. And he is writing letters in, in, from C.S. Lewis's imagination. He is writing letters to his nephew named Wormwood. And Wormwood is responsible for taking the joy, taking the life, taking the love, taking the, 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 even the salvation of this British individual known only as the patient. And so these are letters from Screwtape coaching young Wormwood on his efforts to, uh, to, to uh, damn the, the patient uh, in, here in this story. Now, Wormwood is young and inexperienced, and his overall approach is to try to get the patient to do something extravagantly sinful, to really knock the patient off with one uh, quick swoop. Screw tape is more wise and more subtle. He says this at the end of one of his letters. He says, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without hidden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. So screw tape is the more subtle one, trying to lure, trying to encourage Wormwood to lure the patient away from God. Now these letters from screw tape to Wormwood, they were written by C.S. Lewis during the Second World War. And they were published on a weekly basis in a British uh, paper called The Guardian. And these became incredibly popular. Uh, C.S. Lewis admits that he, he never liked writing them. It was not a pleasure for him. They were very popular, but he, he did not like writing from the perspective of, of, of a demon and all that. C.S. Lewis is a devout follower of Christ. But he, he wrote this to try to stir up what, what, might, what, what might the tactics of the enemy be. And so he wrote these out. Um, wrote a number of these letters. They were accumulated over time in a book that we know as the Screw Tape Letters. And so this is uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, uh, book uh, that I, I find uh, quite interesting. It's a, it's a fascinating read. A couple of interesting things about the Screw Tape Letters. Uh, first of all, C.S. Lewis, after this book, and again, he did not like it. It actually says at the beginning, it said, it, he has it um, uh, credited to Tolkien. 
uh, and he says at the beginning, to Tolkien, and Tolkien hated the fact that this book was, uh, was you know, credited to him or you know, endorsed to him because he knew that his buddy C.S. Lewis didn't like writing this book, didn't like writing these letters. Anyway, Lewis wanted to write a follow-up to this where a senior angel is writing to a lower-level angel about how to protect or how to love people. And C.S. Lewis had tried a number of versions of this and he found he couldn't do it. He couldn't find the voice of an angel. He says, it's impossible to, to have every sentence smell like heaven. He said, I don't know how to do that. And so he didn't write the book. Fascinating. There's another fascinating thing uh, uh, for me. Uh, it's interesting. How many of you are Calvin and Hobbes fans? Okay, terrific. Anyone who didn't raise your hand, what's wrong with you? Seriously. Seriously. Calvin is a gift from heaven. Do you remember who Calvin's first grade teacher was? The name of Calvin's first grade teacher? Miss Wormwood. Yeah, so Screwtape is writing these letters to the young demon named Wormwood. And so Calvin's teacher is Miss Wormwood, named after the Wormwood from Screwtape Letters. You're welcome. Okay, that's good stuff. That's good stuff right there. Here's, here's an example of, uh, from Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, uh, yes, Calvin. Miss Wormwood, I'm a fierce advocate of the separation of church and state. Nevertheless, I feel the need for spiritual guidance and comfort as I face the day's struggles. So I was wondering if I could strip down, smear myself with paste, and set fire to this little effigy of you in a non-denominational sort of way. He's going to the principal's office. Boy, what a touchy subject. <laughs> if you don't find joy in that, there's nothing we can do to help you today. <laughs> there is tremendous uh, uh, joy with, uh, with this piece. Today, we are looking at another letter. I want to take a look at a letter that we find in the Bible. This was not written by Screwtape. It was not written by an angel. But it was written by a fascinating and unique person. This person was the younger brother of Jesus of Nazareth. Could you imagine being the younger brother of Jesus? What's the name of Jesus' younger brother? James. Some of you know this. Yeah, James. It's a short little book deep in the New Testament that is, it packs a wallop. Short little book. And I want to read with you how he starts this book. James chapter 1 at uh, the very beginning of, of, uh, of this letter that James writes. In, in the first verse, he introduces himself, and then he jumps right in in verse 2. David already read it, but I want to read it again with you. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance... Finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's a fascinating couple verses here. He's talking about joy. And then look at what he, the rest he says. Does that sound like joy? Does that look like our experience of joy? I mean, how many times do you say to somebody, what do you want for your birthday? And they say, trials of many kinds. Yay! <laughs> That's not typically how we uh, connect joy, how we define uh, uh, joy. He says, he talks about trials of many kinds, and, and then in the next verse he says, because you know that the testing of your faith, and it's clear that trials of many kinds, they are the testing of your faith. Trials 
are tests of your faith. Trials are always tests of your faith. Whether we want them uh, to be or not, they're always tests of how much we're going to lean on and trust our God. This is why I believe God allows bad things happen to happen to good people. This is a major theological question that many stumble on. But this is why I believe God allows bad things to happen to good people. God doesn't make bad things happen. God does not punish us in those ways. That's not the way God functions. But, but I think that God allows bad things to happen because God knows they will strengthen us. It is those difficult, those trials in life that make us stronger, that lead us to, to being men and women who can persevere. It's the persevere that can finish its work so that you and I may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You get that? That, that life without trials is a life that is lacking. An athlete without pain, without struggle, is an athlete that is lacking. You have to go through those trials. It's not just some have to endure that and some don't. It's the trials themselves that lead us to a place of strength. It's the trials that actually lead us through perseverance to, to a place that is not lacking, to a place of tremendous strength. Here's the point that I think James is making here and the point that I want to make here today. Pure joy, which is the joy we want. It's the good stuff, as James talked about. Consider it pure joy. Pure joy is, con is attached to something meaningful. Pure joy is attached to something purposeful. Pure joy leads to transformation. It leads to healing. It leads to wholeness. Pure joy is attached to something meaningful. Here's a, here's a quote from George Bernard Shaw. He says, this is true joy in life. Sounds real familiar with the words of, of James. Being used for a purpose, recognized as a mighty one. Instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. Shaw likes to say things very gently and softly. I mean, he is not beating around the bush with this here, just shooting straight. Pure joy, true joy, is attached to something meaningful, to something purposeful. Compare that to passing joy, to what I'll call this morning as, as passing joy. Passing joy is, is the quick fix version of joy. And it's something that we desire on a regular basis and we go after and we enjoy and we, we, um, we have glimpses of uh, most days. Just quick, quick fix kinds of joys that aren't really attached to much. We just, we just want joy and we want it now. I want a, a new uh, TV. I want a larger screen TV. 47 inches is good, 53 inches is better. It's six inches gooder. And so I want a larger TV. I want, I want unlimited Netflix to watch on my larger TV. I want a second dessert. The first dessert was good, but my quick fix passing joy is I want a second dessert. I want a few more drinks. I want a new car to replace my, my old five-year-old car. I want a shopping spree. I want it, and I want it now. 
Now, these things are not necessarily wrong. They're not necessarily bad. They're not necessarily evil. And, they're, and they do bring joy. There's no, I'm not going to argue that. Certainly, they do bring some joy. People say, money can't buy happiness. Maybe not, but it certainly can rent it for a while. <laughs> right? I mean, there is, this, there is this real joy that we can experience with that, but it is passing joy. If it's not connected to anything, then it is short-term and it will fade away. It, it can be enjoyable. It can, there can be nothing wrong with it. But on a graph of joy, it comes in, and then it goes away. It fades away. It is gone. <sighs> Screwtape, in one of his letters, he refers to this kind of joy as flippancy. Uh, Screwtape addresses five different types of laughter in his 12th letter to Wormwood. And he says that, that the fifth type of laughter is the one that, um, that the devil, that the big boss, is not concerned about. And he refers to it as flippancy. Here's what, he, uh, here's what he writes about it. He says, the habit of flippancy builds up around a person the finest armor plating against the enemy. Now, let me just pause here. That, remember, this is a letter from a demon to a, another demon. So the enemy in this book is God. You just kind of kind of picture that. Um, but the habit of flippancy builds up around a person the finest armor plating against the enemy, against God that I know. And it is quite free from the dangers inherent in the other sources of laughter. It is a thousand miles away from joy. It deadens instead of sharpening the intellect. And it excites no affection between those who practice it. Talks about this, this flippancy, that, that pure joy is attached to something meaningful. It carries something with it over a period of time. Whereas passing joy is not attached to anything. It's flippancy. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't carry anything. It just comes and goes. This week marked the 50th anniversary of the death of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. April 4th, 1968 is when he was shot and killed at the Lorraine Motel. If you ever have the opportunity to go to Memphis, I highly encourage you to visit the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis. It's incredible. It is actually located at the Lorraine Motel itself. They have preserved the room where Dr. King was staying on, on, that, on that day when he was shot, and they have gutted the rest of the motel, and they've turned it into a civil rights museum. It's incredible. Now, here's a man who has certainly experienced trials of many kinds, and yet what we see in his life and what we see in leaders of the civil rights movement were people who who experienced trials, but that led them to perseverance. It led them to have a stronger resolve against the, the challenges and the, the, um, um, the, the threats on his life. I, I, my guess is, my, my, I'm very confident that this man, when he stood on the second uh, floor balcony of the Lorraine Motel, that on that day, on that morning when he stood there, that he was experiencing pure joy in his life, even through the trials of life, because he knew that what he was living his life for was something that was attached to something meaningful. 
It was going beyond himself. He was making a difference in this world, and that is pure joy. That's the joy we really long for. That's the joy that we really want. Do you want to experience that kind of joy in your life, that kind of joy that, that maybe doesn't bring you to laughter, but it, it, it allows you to feel and experience pure, true joy? Do you want to reclaim that joy in your life? Do you want to reclaim that joy that perhaps has been taken by another a person, by a relationship, by a loss in your life, by a circumstance in your life? Do you want to take back what hell has stolen in your life? If so, I have a couple suggestions, and then, and then we're done here for today. First of all, choose joy. Choose joy. Many times in life, it actually is a decision for us to choose whether we see joy in something. And yes, I'm talking about optimism versus pessimism. I'm talking about half full versus half empty. I'm saying that, that when the trials of life come, we choose joy in there somewhere. We, we get fired from our job. We can either say, this is the worst day of my life. This is awful. Or we can say, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to find a better fit. This is an opportunity. I'm going to work through this trial. I'm going to persevere through this because I think God has something better for me. That obviously wasn't a good fit. I got fired from that situation or let go or whatever. So now I'm going to take this as an opportunity to experience something that God has for me. Now, I know that's way easier to say than it is to do, choosing joy. I get that. I understand that when we're in the pit, that's... We, we just feel like we need more than that. And it might even sound flippant for me to say that here today. Choose joy. But I think that's what James is saying. He says, consider it pure joy. Consider it. In other words, you get to decide what you consider that trial before you. You can either consider it awful or you can consider it an opportunity. We all have Calvins in our lives. We all have... Calvin, we can either view them as annoying or we can enjoy them for who they are. Choose joy. And then the second thing is to give joy away. This is just such a profound concept that, that covers a lot of different territory. If you want something in your life, the counterintuitive but powerful thing to do is to give it away. You want grace in your life, give it away to others. You want forgiveness in your life, give it away to others. You want to have financial freedom, financial strength, give away to others. Be generous in how you're, how you're living life. And the same thing happens with joy. You want to experience joy in your life, give it away to someone else. Give joy away to someone else. Help someone understand how their trials, their situation has actually, is actually attached to something meaningful. Let me give you an example. My son, my oldest son, Gordon, uh, struggled in kindergarten. You know how kindergarten can be rough sometimes. I mean, they, kindergarten can be tough. And he, he wasn't, you know, flourishing uh, academically through kindergarten, wasn't tying his shoe as fast as the other kids, you know. And, uh, and so he got into first grade, and, and uh, he really wasn't much of a reader, wasn't much of a writer, and he was kind of, it was a bad start. And it was our first kid, and, and, uh, and um, he fortunately did not have Miss Wormwood as a teacher as his first grade teacher. He had Mrs. Colano from Lagos Elementary just down the road. Mrs. Colano, we love Mrs. Colano. She was the first grade teacher for all three of our kids over there at Lagos. And 
she um, taught him and loved on him and developed in him a desire and an interest in reading and writing. And he really started to, to, to make a change there in first grade. Fast forward six years. He's in middle school. And Gordon uh, decides to write a book just for pleasure. It wasn't an assignment whatsoever. He, he was doing the, the game called Minecraft. Uh, it's on, on the computer. And, and he was exploring this game. And he ended up writing a 31-page book about a story of kids. It's kind of like a Jumanji thing where a group of kids get sucked into a game and they have to live out Minecraft and experience this and try to get out of this on their own. We had so much fun with it. We're so proud of him. We actually um, printed up his book. And so this is the book that he wrote in middle school. Yeah. It's called A Minecraft World. And uh, this is a limited edition uh, printing. <laughs> Very few uh, prints of this, um, but they are available for sale. Uh, uh, Gordon's happy to sign them, and because he's heading off to college in a year and a half, they're $1,000 each. So uh, just let me know how many you'd like to order, and I will uh, take care of that. Be happy to take care of that. So uh, sometime after we got these things uh, uh, printed, we got a few of these printed up, and uh, I can't remember if it was Gordon or if it was my wife who had the idea to send one to Mrs. Colano. So, so, so uh, Gordon wrote in there and said, um, thanks for inspiring me to write, Gordon. And not long after that, uh, uh, Tammy, my wife, got an email from Mrs. Colano uh, saying, um, uh, I, I couldn't help but cry when I got that uh, book uh, from Gordon and from your family. She said, she said you made my day. You made my year. She said, you made my career. So she said, thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, uh, giving me this book. I look forward to, to my new book to read, she wrote to us. And so here, pure joy is not necessarily uproarious laughter. Pure joy is when we connect to something meaningful. When we invest in something. We perhaps may go through trials um, right now that are an investment in somebody else's life. Being a teacher is a very hard job. And there can be years where you, you don't sense the, the, the purpose and the meaning for what you're doing. And you may not even get books sent back to you. You might not even get some of those moments. But just to know, uh, I, I'm going through these trials because I'm investing in something meaningful. I love these kids. I'm pouring into these kids. And there, there are times where we, can, where we have to say, I am persevering through this season of life, and I'm experiencing pure joy because I know it's attached to something meaningful. My wife and Gordon sent this book to her as a way of saying, I want to give joy back to you. Thank you for this. Is there someone in your life to whom you can give joy? Is there, is there someone that you could think of where you just say, where you, where you can just say, thank you for your investment in my life. Thank you for, um, that, for playing out your role because your role matters to me. Your role has made a difference in my life. That's, that's pure joy. It's, it's joy all the way around for the one receiving 
the note and, it, and for the one sending it to say, that's the kind of person I want to be as well. I want to, I want to experience pure joy that is attached to something meaningful. So choose joy, consider something pure joy, and then secondly, give joy away. Give joy away. Let people know how their trials and their sacrifices have made a difference in your life. I want to close up here today. Um, the band is going to come and, and uh, lead us in one final song. It's a song that is a few years back, uh, but the, the, the beginning of the song lyrics are, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. And so um, what, what I want you to do is, uh, is if you're interested, during this song, I just ask that you would leave your seats, and we have stations, couple in the front and four in the back, and one up in the sky boxes, uh, the special seats. Uh, we have one up in the sky boxes there. And at these stations, here's, here's what I invite you to do, is come take this note from screw tape. Take this note that is a, a warped version of what joy is. And just come and trade in your sorrows, trade in your shame, trade in this version of joy. Come up here and just rip it up and say, I'm trading that in. Pick up one of these cards that is a reclaimed card. It has James 1, 2 to 4 on the back of it. Say, this is what pure joy is. Take this home. We're going to have one of these cards for each week of this series. Take it home, put it on your mirror, put it on your visor, on your car, whatever to say, I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Let us sing this together. Let us enjoy this together. Would you stand? I want to pray with you, and then we're going to sing. Father in heaven, um, I pray that your joy would fill this place. And it doesn't necessarily mean happiness, God. It is a pure joy, a true joy that is attached to something meaningful. So God, I pray that you would inspire us here today to choose joy, to see how you're using even the trials of life to draw us closer to you. And God, I pray that you would challenge us to give joy away to people in our lives who have invested in us. We're trading in the false version of joy for the true joy that you offer us with in these next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.